All right. So we are making our way through God's Economics Unit 1, Biblical Pictures of Provision. And we are in the book of Genesis. And we've talked about Abraham. We've talked about Isaac. We've talked about Jacob. And now we are at the point we just covered that Jacob has tricked Esau out of his birthright. Esau, he was hungry one day. And so he didn't really have clear thoughts in his head, I guess, because he traded the provision, the abounding multiplication, fruitfulness of God for a bowl of soup. Wow. Okay, so we don't want to be like Esau. We want to keep our eyes on God. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus. And we don't want to despise or make little or make light of the blessing of God and being in covenant with God. We don't want to sell out because we're hungry and we want a bowl of soup right now. So that's where we're up to. Now, I don't know if Isaac knows anything about this, but Isaac still prefers Esau, and his desire is to give Esau the covenant blessing. So that is transferred. He was going to lay his hands on Esau to... uh, to transfer the blessing to Esau, the blessing of Abraham. Well, this is an interesting thing. God knew that Isaac wanted to give it to Esau. Well, what's interesting is that there are passages about, uh, let's say, Moses. Moses, at the end of his life, his eye was not dim. He had still as much vigor as he had ever had, and he was 120 years old, right? Well, Isaac is not even that old, and he goes blind. Well, you'd think that being in covenant with God, you know, God would be able, like Moses, Moses lived until the day that we don't even know if there's a record of his death. We, you know, the scripture says that he he died, but he kind of went up on a mountain and then the Lord buried him. And there's lots of speculation about that, even among Bible scholars. But so, Moses, he was vigorous. He had was full of life until the day that God, you know, called him into eternal life after that. But Isaac, he's sitting here and he's going blind. Why did Isaac have to go blind? Because Isaac, if he could see, was going to give the blessing to the wrong person. All right. So there's a whole other I could preach on that. Like if God has ordained a blessing for you, God said from the womb that Jacob was the one who was going to get the blessing. Isaac was going to go the wrong direction. So God's like, well, I guess you have to go blind so that you give the blessing to the right person. Okay, got nothing. Just putting ourselves into this equation. If you think for one moment that anything can stand in the in the way of God's plan for your life or a blessing that God has ordained for you. No, God is sovereign over all things. The blessings that are ordained for you will come to you. God is in charge. He is in control of all creation and every created thing. So take some comfort and confidence in that. But let's stay focused on the story of Isaac blessing Jacob and not Esau. So Jacob, whose name means trickster, he sets it all up so that Isaac is going to bless him and give him the blessing, not Esau. So he disguises himself. Isaac can't see very well. Uh, Jacob goes in, he puts a a goat hair on him, and it makes me wonder, like, just how hairy was Esau? He must have been really hairy. Anyway, so 
Jacob put some goat skin on himself so he'd be hairy and smell like Esau. And so Isaac was convinced that this was Esau. And when he thought he was giving his blessing to Esau, but he was really giving the blessing to uh, Jacob, we see in Genesis 27 what he said. He said, May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let peoples serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So what does that sound like? It is reminiscent of the blessing that God gave to Abraham. So this is the covenant of Abraham. This is the passing of the blessing of Abraham from Isaac to Jacob. Okay, and the blessing included, it's really obvious, the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. That is all about provision. That is all about resources. If you're walking with God, there can be famine all over the earth, but God who who made heaven and earth, he will be with you. He will provide for you. The blessing is about economics. The blessing is about provision for what you need, both from the, the rain that causes the food to grow, the fatness of the earth, which is where the food comes from, and plenty of grain and wine. This is the sign of blessing. So then Esau comes in and he tries to serve Isaac a a meal also. And Isaac, he just starts to tremble with fear of who did I just give the blessing to? Now, why would that be terrifying? Why is that terrifying? Because he's the only man in the whole world with a relationship with God. And what in his blindness, what if he had just maybe given it to the neighbor? You know, like, ah, this is terrible because the promise is to Abraham and his descendants. So Isaac, he trembled in his body with fear when he realized that he had not given the blessing to Esau. And I don't believe that that's just a difference between Esau and Jacob. I think that was a a tremendous earth-shattering fear that he might have given it outside of the family because this is the big deal. This is the connection to God most high. So then when Esau comes in, Esau is like, well, what? Do you only have one blessing? And I've tried to say it multiple times, and hopefully you're starting to get it. If you've ever asked, like, yeah, why can't God just bless Isaac, bless Jacob, and bless Esau? No, it doesn't work that way. There's only one person in the world. That person has not become a nation yet. It was one person, Abraham. It was one person, Isaac. And now it's one person, Jacob, who eventually God changes his name to Israel. And he has 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And the blessing of God is upon all of them. But at this point, we're not there yet. It's only one person in the whole world who has a covenant relationship with God. There is not more than one blessing. That's really important for us to understand because it's the same concept, the same principle that God is functioning with when we talk about Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in the new covenant, there is, guess what? Guess 
guess how many men? One man in covenant with God. And our job is to get ourselves connected to that one man because all of the blessings, all of the promises of God are bound up in that one man and his name is Jesus. But that's much later in the Bible. We're going to get to that later. So Esau comes in and he's like, what's the deal? Why do you only have one blessing? This doesn't make any sense to me. But Isaac says, no, I've already blessed your brother. I've already given it to him. And and I, I there is not more than one blessing. So let's look at what Isaac says to Esau when he's pronouncing this. I can't even really call it a blessing, but he's pronouncing this over Esau's life. Then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall be your dwelling, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. So it again, it couldn't be more clear. This is about provision. The lack of God's blessing meant the lack of God's provision. Provision would be scarce for Esau, and he was going to have to live by the sword. Well, we touched on this. I know it was brief. Hopefully you didn't miss it. Who was the first person, his descendants, who was the first person to even create a sword, to create weapons? It was Cain. All right, so we've got a repeated theme going on. So Esau, you're away from the blessing and you're going to have to live by weapons. You're going to have to live as a, a you're going to be restless. You're going to have to live by the sword for your own provision. You're not going to be in the blessing of God because the blessing went to your brother, Jacob. So after all of this took place, Esau was extremely angry at Jacob. And that, I have to say, is understandable. He just got cheated out of his birthright and out of the covenant blessing. And maybe Esau finally understood the value of what he had just treated so lightly. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But what the book of Hebrews says is that he found, he made no place for repentance. He found no place for repentance. He was really angry and he was determined, especially after Isaac died, he was like, I'm going to kill that Jacob. He is dead to me. He, I'm going to take him out. But what Jacob had to do was flee for his life from Esau, and their mother, Rebekah, told him what to do. So he fled, and he went off to the land of Haran, where Rebekah's relatives were from. Remember, Abram sent the servant off there to get a wife for Isaac. And that was Rebecca who came back and was living in the land. She sent Jacob, go off and live with my brother and find people from my own family and find yourself a wife to marry there. Well, on his way, uh, the Lord met Jacob at Bethel. Now, it wasn't called Bethel yet. It became known as Bethel or Bethel. Um, but in Genesis 28, look, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the scripture. The Lord says, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. 
And then, a couple verses later, Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear—sound familiar? We've talked about that—so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So God's house, Bethel means God's house. And this is where that took place. And it became known as Bethel, Bethel, the house of God. But uh, Jacob, in his innocent and naive and kind of immature way, he's understanding, okay, God's going to be with me. That's awesome. God's going to fulfill all these promises, you know, in my life. I've got this blessing that my dad just blessed me with, which is like all the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth. Like I'm totally walking in the blessing of God. This is great. And God just confirmed it to me in a vision. You know, this is when Jacob, it's called Jacob's Ladder. He sees a ladder up to heaven, and he sees angels of God ascending and descending on the ladder, and God speaks to him and makes him this promise. And and Jacob, he's like, this is great. Well, if you're going to do all of that for me, then I will give a full tenth to you. And like I said before, when we talked about Abraham tithing to Melchizedek, we're going to talk about tithing in a later unit. But I wanted you to have the basis here that Abraham, they saw they, they he saw that tithing Tithing to God was just a reasonable acknowledgement that everything came from God. And Jacob is re- repeating that. He understood, okay, God, everything comes from God, so I'm going to give a tithe back to you as an honor and as an acknowledgement that everything I have comes from you. But then, Jacob goes off and he winds up working. I'm going to shortcut this, put your seatbelt on, we're going to blast through the rest of Jacob's life. Jacob goes and he's working for his uncle Laban for 20 years. And this is oppressive. Laban is a deceptive employer. He changes Jacob's wages uh, 10 times in 20 years. He's, you know, the the same. It's kind of like, you know, Jacob, he was a trickster and then he got tricked, you know, by his uncle. He's kind of reaping what he's sowing a little bit here. But nevertheless, no matter what happened, God's blessing was on Jacob. And so Laban figured it out. Laban figured out that he was blessed. He and his household were being blessed because God was blessing Jacob. So Jacob, even though Laban kept doing things to try to keep Jacob under his oppressive dominance and control and, and you know, just kind of manipulating things all over the place, and that would be very annoying to me. I'm sure it was very annoying to Jacob. But anyway, Laban kept trying to keep the blessing of God under his control. The blessing of God was in the life of Jacob. So this is a man, the blessing of God is with him. Now, Isaac is still alive back in the land of Canaan. So Isaac is still the covenant carrier in this generation. But uh the, the blessing has also been given to Jacob. So Jacob is walking in the blessing, blessing, and Laban is blessed because of Jacob's blessing from God. So there's a whole story that goes into that Jacob, he was promised a wife. Laban promised him a wife, uh, Rachel. Now, Rachel was smoking hot, and uh, Jacob was really, really into Rachel. Rachel also had a sister named Leah. Now, Leah, we don't have a description of her beauty. It said, you know, her eyes were 
you know, we don't know if they were like a cow's eyes or if she just was hard to look at. It's hard to know exactly what the passages about Leia mean, had weak eyes. Um, But so Jacob was really into Rachel and not so much into Leia, but Laban swapped them out at the wedding. And then eventually Jacob winds up being married to both of them. Well, what happens is that Leia has all kinds of kids. And then Rachel is like, I'm going to die if God doesn't give me kids. And, and Jacob is like, who am I, God? I don't have power to do that. But here's the thing. Why are we going through all of this? Rachel, eventually, God heard the cries of Rachel and opened her womb so that she conceived and gave birth to Joseph. And if you look through the story, Jacob favored Rachel. Jacob was waiting for a firstborn son from his beloved wife, not his wife that he didn't love as much. As soon as Joseph was born, Jacob was like, I got to get back to the land of Canaan. That land is mine. I have that blessing. And now I have a son of promise. I have a miracle son. My barren wife's womb was opened. As soon as Joseph was born, Jacob set his course to go back to the land of his fathers. But Laban He created challenges and difficulties because he didn't want Jacob to leave because he knew he was blessed because of Jacob's household. But eventually, thankfully, God commanded Jacob to return to the land. He talked to his wives about it, and they were like, yeah, we're with you. Our father, you know, he basically sold us out. And so, yeah, we're with you. Everything you have is ours anyway. Let's go. And so they did. They took off and they went back to the land of Canaan back to the land that God had promised to Abraham, to Isaac, and also to Jacob. And when he got back to the land, Jacob again, so he met with angels and a messenger of the Lord as he was leaving the land. And the messenger said, you know, from behold, the Lord is going to bring you back to this very place. And when he returned to that very place, to that land, an angel met him again. And this time he wrestled with that servant of God, that messenger of God, all through the night. And the messenger, the Lord, he the scripture actually does even say that he's wrestling with the Lord. And uh, the Lord changed his name. He said, no longer will your name be Jacob, but now it will be Israel. Hallelujah. And so when he's entering back into the land, he has to meet up with Esau. Now, this is terrifying. Why? Because the whole reason Jacob left is because Esau wanted to kill him. And, you know, grudges die hard. So, yeah, it's 20 years later, but if Esau is still angry because the blessing that he thought was his, which is provision and the the carrying the seed that's going to bring eternal life, you know, if he's really angry that he has not been selected by God for that, then he would still be ready to cause war and violence against Jacob, whose name is now Israel, and all of his descendants. So Jacob is terrified. Esau, in the meantime, over the past 20 years, he and his descendants had become warriors. They were ferocious. They were living by the sword. They were living eventually in the land of Edom. 
They lived by the violence of the sword, not by the blessing of God. And we see that in the scripture. Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. So he kept Rachel and the ones that were more precious to him back, and he put Leah more in the front. So he's dividing up his family. He's trying to bring protection that if Esau kills a patch of them, that Esau is not able to kill the other. So Esau is living by the sword. And we, we've we already seen this. This is in your study guide that Esau is living in the way of Cain and Nimrod. He is not living by the blessing of God. And you can also see in the chapter about Esau and his descendants, which is Genesis 36, that Esau and his descendants went on and they start appointing authority structures, kings, chiefs, ruling over people, ruling over resources by the sword. Okay, so Esau has gone the one way and Jacob has gone the other. Now, when we fast forward to the end of Jacob's life, now in the the next class, we're going to get into Joseph's life, and this is halfway through Joseph's life, but I just want to highlight this because it kind of wraps up the the story of Isaac and uh, Jacob being in the land. But Jacob, once he got to the land and he and Esau, you know, they kind of made amends and Esau withdrew himself to the land of Edom and they weren't going to have conflict between them. Jacob stayed there. He was there for a while. Um, And eventually, you know, Joseph went down. We're going to get into that in the next class. But when it came time that there was famine in the land, does any of this sound familiar? This is a new famine. It's different from the famine of Abraham. It's different from the famine in the days of Isaac. There's a new famine in the land, and it's a famine covering the whole world at this point. But Jacob, he was determined to stay in the land. He's like, I'm not going anywhere. This is the land that my that God promised to my grandfather Abraham. This is the land that God promised to my father Isaac. This is the land that God promised to me. I am not going anywhere. Eventually, when it came time that the famine was so severe, Jacob sent his sons to Egypt to go and fetch provision and bring it back so that they would not starve to death, okay? And that's where they run into Joseph. They find him. Joseph reveals himself to them. And like I said, we're going to get into that. But then the brothers come back, and we're still focused on the life of Jacob. They tell Jacob, Joseph is alive. Let's go down to Egypt. There's plenty of provision down there. Well, Jacob was hesitant to leave the land. Why? Because when Abraham had gone down to Egypt, it didn't go very well. There were consequences of that that didn't really go that well. I know some prosperity teachers really like to focus on the fact that Abraham came out with, you know, cattle and wealth and riches and whatever, but you're kind of missing the point altogether. Abraham going down to Egypt had some other long-term ramifications that, you know, Isaac definitely didn't want to go down to Egypt. God commanded him not to go that way. And then Jacob, he got the point. He understood the stories from his grandfather and his father, and he didn't want to go. It actually took God appearing to him and telling him to go or telling him not to be afraid to go. It's the only way that Jacob was willing to leave the land that was promised. And it's, we find this in Genesis 46, starting with verse 2. 
And God spoke to Israel in visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for there I will make you into a great nation. I myself will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again, and Joseph's hand shall close your eyes. So that was the permission you see now. Because this is, if you read the Bible correctly, you should be picking up on these patterns of let's notice that, okay, one guy, he goes down to Egypt, another guy, he's told not to go down to Egypt. Now we've got a repeat seemingly of the same scenario, and God gives his permission. He says, yep, don't be afraid. I'm with you, and in that place, I'm going to make you into a great nation. 